What's good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is the Gold Diggers podcast with Rob Stats Guerrera, me, and Michelle Majuk. Her, what's up, Michelle? Hey, hey, it's Labor Day weekend. So hopefully everyone has some fun plans this weekend. It's our last weekend without football. Yes, and I heard that you are going to be at a wedding. So I got to know, what is your go-to move on the dance floor? Oh, man, you know, it, it matters how many drinks I have in me. I get a lot Fair. more loose when I have some vodka sodas, and typically I'll have some vodka sodas. So I'm sure I'll get <laughs> I'll get loose on the dance floor. I don't really have a signature move. I just kind of go for it and go with whatever, you know, the vibe is of the song. No, like sprinkler or I don't know, running man, nothing like that. You know, I, I do the whole um, the wobble a lot. It's just like it's too much. I do it too much. I think it's just the only <laughs> thing that comes to my mind. and I just do it. Uh, yeah, there I'm not go. a very good dancer. I just kind of go for it. No, I every I feel like women always say they're not very good dancers and then they get out there and they put all the men to shame. Yeah, no, no, this, this is not the case. <laughs> this is not the case for me. Um, but I, I don't really care. Once I have drinks with me, I don't care. You know, I just go for it. All right. What is then the song that if you're like, no matter what you're doing, sitting, talking with somebody, you're in line at the bar, whatever, this song comes on and you are running to the dance floor. It's literally Wobble Baby. <laughs> That's probably why I love doing that dance. Uh, that song's just too much fun to miss out on. You know, you don't ever hear it unless you're at a wedding. So uh, that Wobble Baby, Wobble Baby. I don't know. That's that's my song I have to get on the dance floor for. All right. That's fair. Uh, I was going to go with something like old school, like uh, I Want You Back by the Jackson 5. Because mm. I'm, you know, the old fuddy-duddy in the room. You know what? I thought you were talking about like Backstreet Boys. I want you back. Oh, God. <laughs> so we, so we're old. not on the same page here. I like when weddings play newer music than like the oldies and don't play the chicken dance, you know? The chick, who still plays the chicken yeah, dance? Just don't do that. Don't do that anymore, guys. Did you have, I had one song banned at my wedding that I told the band, do not play this song. I had a whole artist. You had a whole artist? Yes. Who? Bruno Mars. Oh, wow. I never would have guessed that. Yeah. You don't like Bruno? I don't like most of his songs. They just annoy me. We did have one finally <laughs> play. We had one. It was like his big one or whatever. That one's fine. Um, Like the biggest one that came. I don't even know what it is. I just didn't. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't give me. doesn't give me the right vibes. I banned uh, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Mm, nice. That's good. I, just, I cannot stand that song. I don't know what it is. My wife wanted it, and I was like, look, you can do whatever you want with the music, but that is that is a no-go. And I think, you know what? I think they even played it anyway, those jerks. That's a good one to ban, though, for a wedding because no one's dancing to that. You're just screaming at the top of your lungs, you know? You can't really True. dance it, you know, don't stop believing. You're just singing it. I don't mind the song, but, yeah, I think that's a good ban for a wedding. I would have let you do it. <laughs> All right. We've got a lot to do on today's show. It's this is a little weird. Normally, this show is going to be our fantasy preview and gambling show, except that there's no games this weekend because the NFL shortened the preseason to three games. So we're in sort of this weird bubble uh, before we get to the regular season. But that's what the show will be normally. This week, we want to talk a little bit about the Trey Lance finger injury because I sort of found myself in the middle of this controversy where 49ers fans are mad at me. You always have people mad at you, Stats. I know. And I don't know why. I don't mean, like, people on the Niners Nation website, the commenters, 
They call me like Grant Cohn Jr. They think I'm trying to like sabotage the team. It's not that at all. I just why do you hate the 49ers? Right. People are like, I don't even think Rob's a 49ers fan. It's like, are <laughs> you serious? You see my background right now. It's all 49ers crap. I bleed scarlet and gold, but for some reason, people don't like what I have to say because it, it's not all sunshine and rainbows about my team. Yeah, you're being realistic. Now, I, I'm not very worried about the finger injury, but it's because I also don't think he's going to be, he, I don't think he would have been playing much anyways the first couple of weeks. So if he, he needs to sit and rest, especially in week one, I do think by week two, it'll be pretty much all the way healed. Like he'll be okay. At least he won't, like you said, maybe it's not fully healed because you said it might take like six weeks to be fully healed. Right. But it won't be hurting him anymore. I don't know if that's a good thing. I guess it could break easier. I don't, I'm not a doctor, so I shouldn't be giving my opinion <laughs> wild speculation here on the gold diggers <laughs> podcast no i talked to mike ryan who is the sports medicine uh, analyst for sunday night football he was an, uh, an nfl athletic trainer for 26 years and he said in terms of the bone actually healing it could take up to six weeks but he'll lance himself will probably start to feel better anywhere between one to three weeks and i just worry you know it's a finger injury he's got to take snaps he's got to do the zone reads at the mesh point you know, if he gets knocked over, obviously you put your hands down to brace yourself like your fingers. It's in the line of, of danger here. So it's going to take a lot of abuse. So I don't know how this thing is ever going to heal up. And and your index finger on your throwing hand, Michelle, that's like the most important finger. It's the last finger that touches the football as you go to throw. And we already know Lance doesn't exactly throw the prettiest ball all the time. Yeah. And so I'm I'm just... To me, this kind of injury, I feel like the 49ers are going to do right by him and do the smart thing and keep him out longer, you know, just to make sure he's okay. But that's obviously going to be longer than the seven days that they have told us. Yeah, I think they won't have him throw for the first two weeks. Like, I can't imagine them putting him into the game and actually having him throw the ball with this finger injury. Um, so I... I do think he might still see the field, though, but then it could be a little rough because the defense will probably know, like, oh, hey, they're going to run. Now they don't know if they're going to run with the quarterback or running back, which we saw last week. It worked pretty nice when Trey Lance faked it up the middle and Raheem Mostert has such great speed that if the defense is caught off guard for even one second, Mostert's going to get 10, 15, 20 yards because he's going to get around that corner so fast. So I still think we might see him in the game, just not throwing the ball. That was one of the things I was most encouraged about in that game was just how good it looked with Mostert. I mean, Mostert is like hovering over the field. He's so damn fast. And I thought that if Lance had kept the ball on a lot of those, it looked like the backside of a lot of those plays was open for him to run. Like, I couldn't believe what was happening out on the field. The whole play is designed, like you just said, to freeze those linebackers for that second. And once they do, they're screwed. Yeah, and I think that is a play they have to do in week one. Like, I, I think Trey Lance's finger is good enough to take a snap, right? Like, the biggest issue right now, it's maybe pain tolerance with that snap, but you, you're more worried about him throwing the ball with a touch. And, you know, like we both already said before the show, his touch is a little worrisome already. So you don't <laughs> want him to be doing that with a hurt finger. But I, I do think, especially against the Lions defense in week one, like, terrible run defense if you get them to <laughs> even think about who might be running the ball you're going to get huge chunk plays from both Lance and Moster and yeah maybe you can't run it a ton but bring them in for five five plays or so and I do think 
almost all of them will be very successful. You know, is it possible that let's say that Lance feels good enough to practice on Monday and he comes back and his fingers feeling pretty good. And the Niners are like, you know what? We think he can throw a little bit. Maybe if the finger's not a hundred percent, this is me like galaxy braining this, the finger's not a hundred percent. So maybe he can't quite throw with all the juice that he has in his arm because he has to squeeze the ball too much or it hurts. So that will automatically take some zip off the ball and actually improve Lance as a passer. What about that? Yeah. I mean, that is a, that's a wild, uh, far reach there. Uh, <laughs> slightly. I will say this isn't the first time we're ever seeing this type of situation, right? Um, where we have a mobile quarterback and they kind of want to get them involved in the game, but they have a veteran quarterback. That's just, it, you can't bench him yet. Right. Like the rookie's just not ready. Lamar Jackson in week one of his rookie season, he had four passing attempts in week one. Like they brought him in and sat Joe Flacco for a quick second or put Joe Flacco out as a wide receiver. I don't even know why they wasted that spot. <laughs> and then they also had Lamar Jackson rush seven times that game. So they had him involved from week one. And then obviously Lamar Jackson took over later in the year, but maybe that's what we're going to see out of Trey Lance. And I do think we're at that part of the off season now, like we're one week away. You have to start thinking about what's the best chance for our team to win right now, this week, this is the only week we're thinking about. And it's even before the injury, it's by far Jimmy Garoppolo. Like he's the guy that's going to get you this win. And he's the one that should be playing in week one because he gives you the best odds week two, you reevaluate and you go from there. I know you're still sticking by that. The Eagles are going to beat the 49ers in week two, right? I know. I do love me some Jalen Hurts. Let's see how he performs against the Falcons. Terrible secondary. And then mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'll change my mind. If he struggles against them, then I'll be worried. The 49ers defense looks pretty good. Now, like they just haven't had any competition. Nathan, Nathan Peterman, you know, isn't, isn't scaring anyone, but their run defense especially looks pretty solid. So, um, maybe they can stop Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders and it'll be okay for them. You know, I've been bringing your name up a lot on the SB Nation NFL show because I host with Brandon Lee Gouton on Tuesdays on the off day debrief. And he keeps kind of, you know, like poo poo in the Eagles and he's down on the Eagles. And I keep saying, Michelle Maju thinks the Eagles are going to be pretty good. And you know what? This week he comes on the show and he's like, I'm feeling a little better about the Eagles. I'm, I'm feeling some positive vibes with this team after being in practice all week. And I keep, pounding your name saying Michelle's been all over this. Listen, I think Devonte Smith is going to be a stud in the NFL. Jalen hurts was a good passer at Oklahoma. Like I think he's going to take a massive step forward. The offensive line is going to be solid. I am all in on the Eagles this year. I really have no reason to be right. Like I have no fan, <laughs> no fandom for them. I'm Steelers all the way. So, you know, that rival in Pennsylvania Steelers fans and Eagles fans don't like each other. I mean, I don't really care. Um, but yeah, I do think week two is going to be a hard game as well. Maybe that's a game they reevaluate and they say maybe with Trey Lance's rushing upside, he gives us more of a chance to win that game. And that's where you have to reevaluate each week. I, I do think there's going to be a discussion after every week, right? Is it time to get Trey Lance more involved? The time to start him? But it's not this week and it wasn't even before the injury. I want to mention before we go to break, we always are willing and hopeful and happy to get your fantasy football questions. We got a couple of questions, so I want to run those past you because after we come back from break, I want to ask you one more question about the offense and then get to some defensive stuff. Uh, this question is Mostert and Sermon are still going at about the same average draft position. Obviously, these questions depend on roster construction, but which player are you taking? So if I'm taking one, it's going to be Raheem Mostert because I do like – 
I haven't been impressed by Trey Sermon in this preseason. He had a, a nice couple runs in the last game, but he also got stopped too easily on a couple plays as well. So he's not impressing me. Raheem Mostert, though, he could have like 20 yards going into like the third quarter and then break off a 60 yard run. Like you never are out if you have them in your fantasy lineup until the fourth quarter says zero seconds left. Like Raheem Mostert can break any play. The only thing that worries me about him is the receptions, but I don't think Trey Sermon's going to get any more targets in this offense either. And then it'll come down to who gets the touchdowns. And I think once Trey Lance is in there, it might not be either of them. Like, I, I'm not necessarily trying to get either Raheem Mostert or Trey Sermon, but if I do grab one, I'm okay with it being Mostert. It's just the wide receivers going around him I like so much better. And Mostert is a fast starter, too. If you remember last year against the Cardinals in week one, I think he had a 70-yard catch and run for a touchdown. And then in week two, first play of the game against the Jets, he takes a sweep and goes around the right side and runs it like 85 yards for a touchdown. Bam, weeks one and two. I mean, when you're looking at his fantasy points, like starting week 13 of 2019, that's kind of when he took over that backfield. He only had six carries, six carries, another six carries in week 12. And then week 13 is when he, he jumped up to that 19 carries and started seeing more work in the 49ers backfield. These are his fantasy points since then. 23, 25, 11, 11, 20. And then going into the beginning of 2020 season, 25 and 19. And then he got hurt, you know, and he did come back and have another 15 point game later on in the season, but didn't do much else after that. But when he's healthy, he's a very good fantasy running back. It's just he he did score those eight rushing touchdowns in 2019. I just I don't think I see that repeating. So that's what worries me. And like I said, like Jerry Judy is going around him. Devontae Smith is going around him. I, I can't imagine taking Raheem Oster over those guys. I'm much more of a fantasy player that goes running back heavy early. Get me a couple elite guys because there's still those Jerry Judys and Devontae Smith late who I really like. So I'm more looking at wide receivers in that, in that range. Yeah, I agree. The trouble with Mostert is his touchdowns are going to have to come from outside the red zone. And the majority of touchdowns in football are scored inside the 20-yard line. So most are, you know, he's going to have a few because he can break those big plays. But I think I agree with you. Once the Niners get down there, it's going to be more about the bigger back in Trey Sermon or Trey Lance or Kittle or whoever. But it's it's a tall ask for Mostert to go over eight touchdowns on the ground. I would agree with that. We always like your fantasy questions. You can always hit us up. I'm at Stats on Fire. Michelle is at Ball Blast. I'm on Twitter. We will take them. We will happily answer them. We're going to go to break, and when we come back, I want to talk to you about Jalen Hurd because you are the only Niners Nation host that agrees with me, so that makes me happy that I'm not totally crazy. We're going to talk about Jalen Hurd, and then we're going to talk about something that Kyle Shanahan said on KMBR this morning about the defense for week one. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast. Going to talk a little Jalen Hurd because the 53-man roster was finalized this week. Jalen Hurd is on it. I have been stunned by that. I think it's ridiculous that Kyle Shanahan is continuing to wait for this guy to produce now in year three. And everybody else seems to think I'm crazy, that it's not that big a deal, and that you know they're super hopeful that Jalen Hurd is going to turn into something. I think he's going to be what he always was, Michelle, which is basically a pumpkin. 
Yeah, I mean, how many balls can he drop where the team's just like, okay, we're going to keep putting you out there. Like, he did, did not deserve that roster spot, I did not think. Like, he should not have made that team. Um, and then even the one run they gave him, that was nothing special. And I understand he's just getting back on the field, so maybe it'll take some time, but that's also an issue, right? Like, he's just getting back on the field because he can't stay healthy. I didn't even like him coming out of school, really. Like, I, I don't really get the the love for Jalen Hurd. I I'm rooting for the kid. Like I hope he has a nice career and it's not over, but I I'm just personally shocked. He made the team and I don't think he should see the field during games because he's a liability with his hands. And I, I just don't think he's special enough to be out there. And he didn't even know where to line up on one play, Michelle. Literally, the other two wide receivers were motioning. And then I think one of them like actually grabbed him and pulled him off the line of scrimmage because if he had stayed there, it would have been an illegal formation. Like, I just don't get it. And here's my worry. Kyle clearly loves him. He's on the roster because Kyle Shanahan likes him. My worry is that Kyle's going to want to prove everybody right, right? Like, hey, I was right about this guy. I know what I'm talking about. And he's going to keep him on the team and not only keep him on the team, but keep giving him targets and opportunities and featuring him. And I think he's just not going to produce it. I, I don't get it. And I'm worried that this is going to become a thing when it shouldn't really be a thing. Yeah, he averaged 6.3 yards per reception. Uh, I mean, it was only four receptions, so it's the tiniest sample size. But he, and then he had that wide open pass. Now, Trey Lance put it a little low, but you still got to catch that. I mean, you. Oh, that was to, bad. You have to catch those balls. Like, a, a quarterback isn't always going to be perfect. Like, we can hate on Trey Lance all we want, but you also have to have some wide receivers that can adjust a little bit and the fact that i mean the defenders were at least three yards from him catch the ball and you gain 15 yards there get an easy first down it's just like you can't have that liability on the field so if they're you know brandon Ayuk is already dealing with a hamstring injury if he has to miss week one which pushes everyone up the the yep. you know the roster there the depth chart and he gets on the field like i just think that's really bad news for the 49ers I actually had forgotten about that drop. You're right. Now I remember it. It was right over the middle. And I actually think that, I think it was Lance that threw it, put it low kind of intentionally to protect Hurd a little bit. Like if if you could pick where the ball would be, that was a pretty good spot because he was, you know, he would have gotten down to catch the ball and then he would have been safer from the two guys that were going to crunch and tackle him. But of course he dropped that one. There was another one with Hurd coming across the field where Lance made a really nice throw and clang again right off his hands. Like I'd, Look, I hope I'm wrong. Obviously, I want all the 49ers. He to couldn't be good. catch it high. He couldn't catch it low. And both were <laughs> right. easily catchable. I mean, the one he put high because his receiver is tall. Like Jalen Hurd is tall. So you put, it where, you put it where you needed to. Now, I do think if you have a starting corner out there who has some hops at all, that guy, the, the, the defender could jump like one inch off the ground, it looked like. Like that's probably intercepted. That Travis Benjamin uh, deep pass, if the defender just turns his head that's the easiest interception so these are all things that worry me about Trey Lance but at the same time Jalen Hurd did not help Lance whatsoever and he was on the field far too much with Lance so uh, you know that he was just uh like I keep saying a liability and if he has to play that it's just not good not good I can't I can't believe he made the team <laughs> I do think that Lance is going to be more willing than Jimmy Garoppolo to throw up balls like that though and to say like hey you know, I'm giving you an opportunity, go get it. And some of those might be intercepted and some of, you know, some might result in big plays. That's not who Jimmy Garoppolo is. He does not, his interceptions do not come that way. His interceptions come where he just flat out doesn't see a defender in coverage and throws the ball and the guy intercepts it. 
Lance, I feel like if when he makes plays, it's going to be him trying to jam the ball in tight windows or throwing it up kind of one-on-one deep down the field. And with George Kittle, I'm totally cool with that. Throw it up, let him win. But when you're passing to Travis Benjamin, maybe know who you're passing to. Like this 175-pound wide receiver probably isn't going <laughs> to come through the defender and you know beat him out in a 50-50 ball. Uh, he's more of a speedster. You got to hit him on the run. It was too late for that pass, and you know it just wasn't deep enough. But it would have been out of bounds anyways. That's not the point. The point is Jalen Hurd is poopy. <laughs> I'm going to make that a drop forever now. Anytime Jalen Hurd drops a pass or does anything bad, you're going to hear. The point is Jalen Hurd is poopy on this podcast. Listen, I will say Trent Sherfield. Sure, I cannot say his last name. I do not know why. He has impressed me um, in this preseason. I know I giggled when you brought him up uh, earlier that he wasn't going to. And I said, you know, he's not going to be anything. He still won't be anything for fantasy. I truly believe that. Maybe you have a couple good games where if you happen to play him in DFS, you got mm-hmm. lucky. Um, but he he's the only guy out there that can catch a ball. And the balls he he is catching, like they're pretty impressive. I did not believe myself. Uh, early on, I thought it was just like, oh, this is the guy we're going to pump up in training camp. There's always one every year. But it's, I mean, geez, as soon as he's gotten on the field and we've been able to see him, I mean, that first game against the Chiefs, bam, 80-yard touchdown. Like, just like that, it was like, oh. Okay, I guess this this might be something here, and I hope he keeps it going. That catch on the sideline last week was the most impressive one, I think, where he came back to the ball and then he adjusted himself. I'm I'm like showing you, but everyone else can't see me. But he adjusted <laughs> himself, and he just it was a hands catch, like nothing with his. It was just beautiful. It was pretty, and it looked really nice. I'm like, okay, he is a talented little dude out there. Uh, see, I can say some nice things about the 49ers. I feel like we've been very negative today. And I want to just say for even my Steelers, like I say Benny Snell is the worst player in the entire NFL. Like I can say that <laughs> things about uh, my Steelers players as well. Benny Snell, I cannot believe made the team, but I just had to bring that up. I'm not only hating on 49ers players. I do it with everybody. That's interesting, right? Somewhere in the league on some team is the literal worst player in the NFL. And his name is Benny Snell. It, <laughs> is, it literally is Benny Snell. All right, well, let's get to some positive stuff then. We'll end the show on a positive note. Kyle Shanahan was on KMBR this morning, and he was talking about week one, and he was talking about Bosa and D Ford specifically. And here's what he said about Bosa. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting to see a lot of them. I mean, he's he's been on a plan this whole way, um, you know, coming back from his big injury and being ahead of schedule since the beginning. And he's been, you know, he's got two weeks of practice in where he's been out here pretty hard. You know, Nick is prepared as any player I've ever been around um, on and off the field. So um, hopefully we'll stay on course here and um, he'll be Nick Bosa come week one. Let me just tell you, if Bosa, if we're seeing a lot of Bosa in week one, Jared Goff is screwed. Oh, he's so screwed. Jared Goff is so bad under pressure. He has a 46.6 completion percentage last year under pressure, 54.3 <laughs> passer rating, two touchdowns to four interceptions under pressure, 5.2 yards per attempt. All right, dude is terrible. One of the worst Ooh. in the league under pressure. Now, last year, the 49ers were one of the worst creating pressure, right? 126 pressure is fourth fewest in the NFL. But you get back Nick Bosa, you get back D Ford, you have Javon Kinlaw going into his second season. If you fix that, that that's what you need for that defense to go back to its 
even close to its 2019 self. And I'm really, really excited to see Nick Bosa back out there. And he needs to just make Jared Goff uncomfortable. And I, I think you, the the game should not be hard to win anyways. But if you make Jared Goff yes. uncomfortable, it, it should be just a walk in the park. They dominated Jared Goff when he was in a much better offensive system with the Rams, with much better yeah. players around him. I mean, right now, just quick off the top of your head, can you name me a wide receiver on the Detroit Lions? I mean, I can, but I play fantasy football and I work for the NFL. But I can't. I, I can't. Can you name, like, who is it? It's Tyrell Williams. Me? Tyrell oh, Williams. God. It's Amon <laughs> Ross A. Brown. They they draft him in the fourth. I guess he looks good. Uh, Cephas um, something. Cephas? Cephas. <laughs> uh, that's you're giving me, Detroit Lions. Cephas. Yeah, that, that's pretty bad. I don't actually even know his last name. But then the other ones are pretty much all random guys uh, that have never actually even caught a ball in the NFL. That is... Good luck, Jared Goff. And, oh, by the way, Shanahan said D. Ford is going to be back. He's gotten a lot more in camp this year than he did last year, and he's looked great in practice. So um, our hope that we were going with now is more reality because the way he looks out on the field, he looks like D. Ford. And he didn't look that way last year in camp at this time. Um, he kind of was just trying to tough it out, where now he looks fresh, he looks good, he's feeling good, um, and hopefully he'll be able to carry that throughout the season. But nice. as of right now, um, it's just a lot more than a hope because we're seeing it with our own eyes. So you get Bosa on one side, Ford on the other, Armstead and Kinlaw coming up the middle. I, it should be an absolute beatdown against the Lions in week one. And, and that's what I'm expecting, and hopefully that's what we see. Yeah, and if it's not a beatdown, then I think it's a disappointment, right? It's not one of those games that can come down to 23 to 20. Like that would not, that would not be a good win for the 49ers. Obviously, a win is a win, um, and you're going to take it. But you want to see them pretty much dominate this team. And to answer your question, so I, I do have this stat here. So, you know, last year, Goff had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. They're pretty good. They're like a really good duo. Uh, they they combined for 1,900 yards, nine receiving touchdowns, which was kind of low for them, actually. But last year, so we're talking about all of the wide receivers on the Detroit Lions roster right now, the current roster, all of them combined for 29 receptions and 536 receiving yards <laughs> and two receiving touchdowns. That's every single wide receiver on the Detroit Lions roster. That's what they combined for last year. 536 yards, two receiving touchdowns. 29 catches? 29 catches. And it's Quintez Cephas, by the way. Khalif Raymond, uh, T. Benson, and T. Kennedy, who I've never heard of. I don't know their first names. I just have the initial T. I uh, never heard of Kennedy or Benson. I know they did not catch a pass in the NFL yet. How could that be your plan? Like, if you're the Lions going they into the season. They cut Rashad Perriman. I'm like, how I know. could he have been? That he can't make it over T. Benson or T. Kennedy. Like, we don't even know their first names. And, yeah, uh, apparently Perriman's just that bad. I don't I don't know. You kept Cephas and you cut Perriman? <laughs> Listen, Cephas Damn. is an okay slot receiver. He'll be okay. <laughs> he made up, like, all of those yards uh, from 2020, basically, those combined yards. Yeah, it, it's going to be wild. brutal for Goff, and he's basically just going to have to lean on DeAndre Swift, who's probably going to be still banged up for the 49ers game. Like, he's not going to be fully healthy. And then TJ Hawkinson, which, oh, good thing you have one of the best covered cover linebackers in the league. Like, if Fred Warner can stop TJ Hawkinson, then it, I don't know what they're going to do. The only thing that could keep Detroit in the game 
are stupid turnovers from Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, that's it, right? Normally, it should be a game where, yeah, maybe the Lions get a couple field goals and one touchdown, but the 49ers should be killing them. But if Jimmy Garoppolo is going down the field and turning the ball over every other drive, that's that's how you lose games like this. And that's oh the my, only you're, way. You're very dramatic about the amount of times Jimmy Garoppolo turns over the ball. <laughs> he won't. It won't be that bad. He won't turn it over too much against Detroit. He's going to be fine. I know he you're doing turns- your little research right now. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't have it he on stinks. me. <laughs> 13 in, in 2019, the best year of his life. He had 13 interceptions. That's the best year of his life. With his short average up the target. That's pretty brutal. That's, that's right. Yeah. Last year he played in six games. He had five interceptions. And oh, by the way, he fumbles the ball a lot too. Like, he, this is what he is. This is what he does. I, I, okay. Well, good thing was... the Lions never ever uh, create turnovers, so you should be all right. They were like last last year in in takeaways, so I think you're going to be fine. I, that's why I said you get through week one and you reevaluate. What's the best chance for us to win against the Eagles? Let's see how the Eagles look in week one against a lesser op- defense opponent, um, and then you move on from there. But week one, we know the plan, and we'll get into that far more, I'm sure, next week. But yes. just be happy with a week one hopeful win. Uh, and then I guess we'll just cry together if they somehow lose to the Lions because that would just be <laughs> pathetic. Yeah, that would not. Like, I, you think losing to Arizona in week one last year was bad? This would be so – like, to lose to Dan Campbell – like, let's get a live lion and train him on the field to attack people, Dan Campbell. <laughs> like, you can't lose to that guy in week one. You just can't. No, you you really, really can't. And that'd be really bad luck on Kyle Shanahan if he loses to a coach in his first game that, like, Dan Campbell seems like a, a pretty big idiot. So you, you got to <laughs> beat him. You got to beat him. Literally. I mean, he's a giant guy. So there you go. Uh, but like you said, we'll get into that. I'm sorry. I... Meant I tried to end the show on a positive note, but I I inadvertently took us to negative town. But it, look, it's a holiday weekend coming up. Everybody's hopefully you get an extra day off. You can enjoy your long weekend. Michelle is going to be doing the funky chicken at the wedding that she's going to. <laughs> and hopefully you have a good time. If you haven't done it already, please uh, rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Like I said earlier, I'm on Twitter at Stats on Fire. Michelle is on Twitter at Ball Blast em. You can hit us up with a question whenever you feel like it. Have a good time at the wedding, Michelle. Thank you. I will. I will. I will. I will. Um, I'm in it, so it's not as much fun when you're in a wedding. Oh, what's you your job? To, I'm just a bridesmaid, you know. But it's not as much fun because then you have to stand and then you have to do all of the the extra work and take the pictures. I love just attending. You have, you have to stand yeah <laughs> you know that's like, your gripe well like standing you know what in those heels when you have to stand in them all day to take mm. the pictures and then you have to walk down the aisle and then you have to stand there for however long the ceremony is and then you have to you know dance in them all night long you wouldn't like it either oh come you're, on you're kicking off the heels as soon as the oh, dancing yeah. starts. you know i i really really do and i don't even care um they're like aren't you worried your feet you know, you know things can like fall and um, cut you i'm like no not at all my feet hurt i don't care Right. Either scenario, your feet are going to hurt. So at least yeah. if you take the shoes off, there's a chance that nothing falls on them. They come off the second the lights come down for the reception. Yes. You're right. Ah, okay. So I was going to say, like, if standing is your big gripe, I would be a little worried. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It's way better to like sit and watch the ceremony and not be a part of it. I, I 
don't get me wrong. I love this friend to death and I'm, I'm happy to stand for her, but it's just a lot more work. And uh, you know, sometimes I'm lazy and going, but you don't have to hold the dress. Do you like holding the wedding dress? I always no. thought that was like a crap job. No, I think that's the maid of honor. See, there you go. Best man. You know what he does? He just brings the ring. That's the only thing he's got to do. And my so best man dropped guys. the ring. Oh my goodness. Really? Oh, he absolutely dropped the ring during like, the ceremony was, or. Oh yeah. Before? Oh, my and goodness. I was I looked at him and I was like, dude, you had one job and he dropped it. <laughs> well, guys, they have it so easy. They can go out to eat for lunch before the wedding. They just like sit there and have some drinks or do whatever they Golf. want. Yeah, you just and then you put on your tux and you're done. We have to do a whole morning of makeup and hair that takes <laughs> it literally takes like five hours to get through all the girls. So you're just sitting there just doing that. Whoa, 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 whoa. First of all. It's not my tux, okay? I rented that bad boy and <laughs> sent it back as soon as the wedding was over. So it's even easier for us. It's Yeah, and we had to pay for that very expensive wedding dress that we'll never be able to use again. And then we can't return it like you do. Do you know where your wedding dress is? I don't even know where my wife's wedding dress is. Oh, I we paid for it to like be put in this box and like this yep, thing. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and now we've never looked at it ever again. It's just in the <laughs> closet. I Wait, mean, what are you supposed to do with what it? What are you supposed to do with it in a... Listen, I gained like 40 pounds since my wedding, so I'm not gonna get, I'm not going to fit into that ever again in my life. So I came and wear it like I came and put it on to be like, oh, look at me in my wedding dress for like a hot second. It's just pointless for the end of life. Right. But I was gonna say the the whatever weight gain is not the reason you're not gonna put your wedding. Like <laughs> your wife just comes home one day, you're just chilling watching Netflix in the wedding dress, like, hey, I'm getting my money's worth. Listen, if there's ever a day I fit back into that thing, you better believe I'm going to be putting it on <laughs> and being very proud of myself. But yeah, very unlikely. All right. Well, have a good time. I'll talk to you next week. We will have football. We made it. We made it through the off season. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Bye, y'all.